0: Be it superstition, or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. does this strange romance stand the ghost of a chance? Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy. Once again, Having a guest on this week. Last week, I did a little mock draft with my buddies, Ryan and Big Oil. It was great. You can listen to it on the BGN feed. I think it was from the Bleachers episode number 58. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube, we did a great little video breakdown on there where I share the screen as we're going through uh, the Draft Network's mock draft. It was a lot of fun. But again, I have a new guest today. First time on my pod. A great writer. A great follow on Twitter. Does great draft work on our own. Our great BleedingGreenNation.com. Ben Natan. Ben,
1: welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of um, course, I've been wanting to get on for a mo- moment, so it's uh, fitting that we get in a couple weeks before the
0: draft. Yeah, we had a we do these, and if you're listening to this, check out each week. Uh, BLG and I do a we use the locker room app, which is only available for Apple and iPhone right now, but it's a great little feature where it's kind of like a live radio station on your phone, where you can kind of create a chat room. It'll be BLG and I talking, and then we can you know, invite listeners up to give some takes, ask some questions, and we do it live on there like once a week. We change the time depending on what people want, trying out different times, see what works best for everyone. We also download that and put it in our podcast feed to check that out as well. Uh, but I was saying we had Matt Daring, uh, the old oh well him, on the, the most recent locker rooms. Now we have you on here, and we have all these BGN lifers now coming on the pod, which I think is, I think is awesome. But Ben is here, obviously, to talk about the NFL draft. There's a lot of – has throughout the entire season, your stuff in the fall is always something to watch for, and particularly, I think, this upcoming fall with the Eagles likely having three first-round picks or at least two picks in the first round, two picks in the second round. You're going to want to see what he's writing then. But also, obviously, right now, as we're you – know, I'm recording this on April 11th. We are 18 days from the NFL draft. Oh, my goodness.
1: Yeah, it's um... – this has been an interesting draft season because of this being just such a weird NFL season uh, for COVID reasons, such a weird college football season for COVID reasons, and then such a weird NFL season because like the Eagles just blew up. And, you know, starting the season, which with, you know, what felt high hopes, you know, coming into the year, you know, you have a, a new slot of weapons for Carson Wentz. You just drafted Jalen Rager. You have a healthy Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Jackson. And it's like, oh, things are going to go well. And then, you know, halfway through that Washington football game, uh, the first game of the season, <laughs> just everything turned on a dime. And you're like, oh, this is going to be horrible. And it and it was horrible. And then yeah, and then going into the offseason with. A level of unpredictability about okay, well, what's the team going to do? Um, is it going to be we get rid of Peterson, we get rid of Howie to keep Wentz, we get rid of Howie, we get rid of Wentz, keep Peterson? Obviously, we know what happened, you know, we lose Wentz, we lose Peterson, and they've just been hard to predict this whole time. And then from them going or uh, from them going from pick six down to pick 12 it becomes even more of like a big question mark as to like, what is their plan for this season? And it's very clear that they're it's not just a one year plan for this team to turn it around, whether you agree with that or not, like they're clearly wanting to stack assets up, build a young core on this team. We still don't know if it's going to be around Jalen hurts uh, in the long run. I certainly hope that at this point, you know, moving back to 12 that they're willing to give him a chance uh, going into next year. But with, likely three first round picks next year um that's clearly where the team's got their eyes on it's like okay well maybe the, the off season of 2022 is when you start putting it putting together a team that can compete on a year in a year out basis but uh they've just been unpredictable and now and now they're at pick 12 and it's like okay well what are you guys gonna do and for me i, I think that we've been talking about the pass catchers this whole, it's okay that I'm like monologuing, right? Hell
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. You know, we've been talking about the pass catchers in this draft class since, you know, since October, you know, we've been talking about, uh, Devontae Smith. We've been talking about Jalen Waddle. We've been talking about Kyle Pitts and, and even Jamar Chase. that so you took a, take a year off and at pick six, you, you had a good shot to draft, you know, having at least one of those guys on the board at pick six, uh, probably was going to be Pitts. Um, I think that Chase was going to go uh, be the first pass catcher off the board. Now it's, you know, you're hoping that maybe Devontae Smith falls to pick 12. You're hoping that Jalen Waddle falls to pick 12. Maybe, you know, in like a complete disaster scenario for Kyle Pitts, like he falls to like pick eight, pick nine, and then the Eagles trade up. But it's, you really got out of range for those top pass catchers, which is so. Frustrating, given what was clearly wrong with the offense last year, which was a lack of dependable targets. Uh, you had this this core of really young, inexperienced guys, and none of them had the experience of being the top target in an offense, and none of them really were able to step into the into that role. And you still have that group of guys with, you know, Jalen Rager and Greg Ward and John Hightower and and like you're hoping that one of them emerges as a solid target but the reality is like you're you need to add new bodies to that that group and i had originally thought that the team was going to go in that direction in the first round and now it's like okay you're pick 12 maybe it's a defensive player because the defense also sucked last year uh, and yeah. definitely definitely needs help and and that and i think the offense being so comically bad really had our attention rightfully on how bad the offense is and how we need to fix the offense and how we get weapons in there but the 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 reality is that the whole the whole team was bad the whole team was bad and you're installing new systems on both sides of the ball so you want to get new guys in on both sides of the ball premium players uh who can change the makeup of an entire unit and and at pick 12 you know you start talking about Pat certain, and you start talking about JC Horn, or you talk about uh Quiddy pay and like impact defensive players who can fit into John of the Gannon scheme. And, you know, in, in the short term, maybe this team in 2021 is a team that plays toughest hell defense and runs the ball really well. Um, because, you know, with, with Jalen hurts and with Miles Sanders and with Boston Scott and maybe a rookie running back, uh, and they re- just re-signed Jordan Howard. You know, you have a really solid backfield, and you still have a good offensive line. And maybe you just invest in the defense. You you get you get a JC Horn in there to play opposite of Darius Slay, and and maybe get like a linebacker in the middle rounds. And then you you can have a pretty solid defense under Jonathan Gannon's uh, tutelage. And they complement each other and you go six and 10, you go eight and eight, you know, maybe, maybe something like that. Um,
0: 17 game schedule. Now we have to get used to oh, that. There's oh, no, such, there's no <laughs> such thing as six and 10 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go uh,
1: six and 11 or seven and 10. That's, that's, that's horrible. I don't like that at all. I'll get used to it. Um, yeah,
0: there's no eight and eight anymore, unless you or, go eight, eight and one, which is yeah, the most insane uh, record of all time. Yeah.
1: The, don't put it best. Eagles to go eight and eight and one. So, there's there's still a lot of options and there's a lot of reason for excitement picking at twelve. It's just frustrating. I I and, and you know we've been I know this has been a back and forth debate among Eagles Twitter and Eagles writers um, for the, since the trade actually happened. It's like okay, well you know what's premium picks versus having a lot of assets and it's like the Eagles had uh, nine picks in the draft before they made the trade. It's not like they're like struggling to have assets and they're in cap hell right now. And you want to be transitioning to young players, and that all makes sense. But to, to think that the team was in some sort of desperate situation that they needed to trade out of that pick in order to accumulate draft picks, uh, both this year and next year, um, it's not really the case i mean the the problem is the team does not have difference makers on either side of the ball right now or rather young difference makers on on either side of the ball right now and when you're picking at six in the draft that's where the difference makers get picked, um, and especially if you're looking for an offensive difference maker. Now, if they pick if they pick J.C. Horn or they pick Pat Certain and and that dude comes in in year one and he's you know a, a defensive rookie of the year candidate, and you know the defense looks totally different having two really good corners with Darius Slay and whoever the rookie is. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll eat shit about it, and 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 I'll be happy about it too. But you gotta get you gotta get blue chip guys, uh, and, and at the end of the day, like that that is what's going to help. A football team you know turn turn their situation around is getting blue chip players in there and the other thing is too it's like Howie he has not proven that he's good at the draft he's, he's not he's good at a player at, at rookie evaluation and it's harder to screw up pick six than it is to screw up pick 12 um in terms of who you have on the board so from that angle frustrating but you know they can still pick some good players
0: how would you talk to fans, how would you describe the defense that Jonathan Gannon is bringing to Philadelphia based on what we saw with those Vikings teams under Mike Zimmer and then what he also ran as the defensive backs coach in Indianapolis this past year? And what players, whether it's a, a target, because the Eagles could certainly go defense at pick 12, whether it's ten, it's J.C. Horn. I know J.C. Horn might seem like a, a better fit. We're going to see some more Zone heavy schemes with Jonathan Gannon, I believe. And are there, you know, edge rushers you think are really worth taking at 12? It seems like a poor edge rusher class. And if not, you know, between pick 12, pick 37, who are some guys you think would be ideal fits for what we're going to see from Jonathan Gannon? So,
1: Gannon evaluating, and I wrote a little bit about this a couple weeks ago, evaluating what Gannon will bring to Philadelphia is, is easy and hard at the same time. You don't, know, you don't know exactly what scheme he's going to be installing immediately, but it does seem that he is very good at evaluating who he has to work with um, and then building out um, schemes from there. Um, in his first couple of years uh, in Indianapolis, you saw a lot of um, cover two, Tampa two, uh, cover man, uh, too high, uh, calls that kind of keep things really simple for the defensive backs. Keep everything in front of you. Take a lot of pressure on them. Playing shallow zones, stuff like that. Um, last year, you saw a lot more cover three, which puts a lot more pressure on the perimeter uh, perimeter cornerbacks and putting pressure on that center fielding deep safety um, because he had the personnel to do it, um, which he hadn't really up until that point. Or he was, you know, there was time being spent installing. These uh these philosophies. And then once he felt comfortable, you saw the team, you saw the Colts go into a lot more cover three or cover one. And this year he was working with Xavier Rhodes and Rockyazin on the outside and Kenny Moore on the inside. So you have these two long physical cornerbacks playing on the perimeter who can really man up well with any receiver in the league. And then you had this, you know, scrappy, instinctual, smaller cornerback. I think Kenny Moore was five nine, five ten. Um, playing in the slot, he can offer some run support. He can cover, uh, he can cover with tight ends. He can run with slot receivers. He can run with running backs. So that's kind of what they ran last year. And the Colts had a really solid defense, um, in part because of how good their defensive backs played, which is obviously encouraging. I'm very like Jonathan Gannon positive, And it's not just because he looks like yeah. he, he can, he can curl 200 pounds. <laughs> so like looking at guys who fit for him in the first round, JC Horn makes a ton of sense because yeah. that dude is is six foot, six one, long arms, athletic, physical as hell. And like he's that kind of like Xavier Rhodes, Rockyazin type of player who can play on the outside and and pair, I think, really well with Darius Slay. And, and like I think Pat is kind of in that similar mold. Very I mean, I I not as good of an athlete, but a very polished player. Obviously, NFL bloodlines, extremely physical. And those are the two quarterbacks I would definitely want the team to consider at, at pick 12. If they were, if they're maybe, you know, they, they pick a defensive lineman at pick 12 with like Quitty Pay, who I think is like underrated at this point. I think like mid season, he was like maybe a little overrated and now he's very underrated because this defensive line class isn't great by any means. It's not yeah. last year or the year before, but this is a dude who's played football, defensive football, at a high level for the last two years. He's a, like extremely high motor, gets a ton of pressures, great run defender. He can play inside and out of the defensive line, and he's a hell of an athlete. So it's like you're gonna get good football out of a player like that. And and you know the Brandon Graham comparison has been thrown around, thrown around a lot with him, and I think that's actually a pretty good comparison. And, you know, we all know how good Brian Graham has been for this team for such a long time. And it's like he's not going to – I don't think he's ever going to be like a sack master, but he's going to be a like a long-time contributor for an NFL team. So maybe, you know, if they want to go defensive line in the first round and cornerback in the second round, which I don't think that is their calculation. I think it's like going to be like cornerback and it's like cornerback and wide receiver is going to be – yeah. Pick 12, pick 37, you know, and they're going to invert them. So if they go wide receiver in the first round and you're looking at cornerbacks in the second round, Greg out at Northwestern again. He
0: seems a fit for the cover three, cover four. Yeah. They're running for that from, from Northwestern. Yeah.
1: Yeah, extremely athletic, smart as hell, big, physical. Kind of once again fits into that mold that that mold that we're talking about with that that big physical outside receiver or a cornerback, flying a little bit under the radar, I think, because he he played at Northwestern instead of some kind of you know higher profile uh, program. And I think he's going to be really good. Uh, uh, Fidu Melifanwu is another player, the Syracuse cornerback. His his athleticism is going to get him drafted, I think, higher than people are projecting him at. I mean, he's 6'2", with 4'4 four, four speed, great vertical, once again, physical, good ball skills. I think in the second round, uh, two that's when we kind of start having a conversation about maybe drafting a slot guy there's Elijah Molden and Asante Samuel Jr uh those two guys immediately come to mind as like smaller scrappier cornerbacks who are not afraid to come up against the run um Samuel has more experience starting on the outside than Molden does um but both could play really effectively in the slot i think Molden in general it's like he's like one of my guys in this class like really st- you know planning my flag on on him yeah you know he's eagles hot. fans
0: might be a little weary of the washington cornerback yeah yeah i think this isn't a sydney jones corner yeah (laughs) but he seems like a true slot cornerback who could start there for the duration of his rookie contract for day from day one and you have to realize that the modern nfl slot slot cornerback is the same as a starting outside cornerback they're not getting the the greatest the the most important assignments the way you know uh, they might be covering an x receiver out, out wide but it's nonetheless an important position you saw Patrick Robinson have a Pro Bowl caliber season in, in 2017 when that defense was, I think, top five in DVOA.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it's, you know, slot cornerbacks are starters in, in the modern NFL. And with a slot cornerback, too, you're not just asking for a guy who can, who can cover well. You're asking for a guy who, who's able to come up and stop the run because the amount of times that a team is going three wide, four wide and running the ball – your slot cornerbacks turn into box defenders uh, and, and you need to, you need to have guys who aren't afraid to get up in traffic and stop a running back or deal with, you know, screen passes, short passes, stuff like that. And, And Molden is, you know, a smart, solid coverage defender uh but also a physical tackler and and good at coming downhill and i think that's worthwhile when evaluating him and and samuel is the same way and there's also like the nostalgia factor with drifting asante and, and he's a he's a and he's a ball hawk and he's like I don't want to like compare him to his dad, but like, you know, you know, it's, Asante, like, too, right? yeah, it's inevitable. But like, you know, people hear Asante Samuel and they're like, okay, that guy's going to pick off a lot of passes. He can't tackle for shit. But like, Asante Samuel Jr. is like a good tackler and like a willing tackler. And that's sometimes all you can ask from cornerbacks is like, Are you going to try to tackle a player? So, you know, at pick 37, if they go with a receiver in the first round, I think that the possibility of them drafting a slot defender goes up, but they they might put that off until like the third round or something like that. But definitely like looking at the first two rounds, you know, the cornerbacks that really kind of put the big like star on for the Eagles are JC Horn, Pat Certain, Afidamele Phanwu. Greg Newsom, and then probably Tyson Campbell as well, out of Georgia, another big athlete. Uh, I, I like. I think that's going to be really their type for their outside cornerbacks. They've gotten significantly smaller at cornerback the last few years, and I think that's been one of the many reasons they've gotten picked on a lot. I mean, for a bunch of other reasons. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that's kind of like the. Uh, I mean, obviously they could go defensive line in the first round. That's always possible with 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 Howie Roseman. Uh, I know that people are still talking about them drafting a linebacker in the first round. I don't think that's going to happen. I would be shocked if that happened. Um, I know that uh, Jeremiah Wuso koromoa talked about, uh, you know, he had conversations with Philadelphia, um, the Notre Dame linebacker, and I know that he's projected to go in the first round, but I would be shocked if they drafted him uh, in the first round. If he fell to the second round, absolutely. But uh, drafting him, you know, in the top 15 would be, a different a different trend for Howie um, on top of just being a, a, a little bit of a puzzling pick, I think.
0: Let's talk about the inverse. We've seen everyone talks about Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and previously before the Eagles traded down from six to twelve, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. So we've we've seen if they draft a the receiver in round one to go cornerback in round two and it could be Asante Samuel Jr. Elijah Molden. Let's talk about the inverse. Mm-hmm. They take certain. they take JC Horn, they take someone out of the blue like Caleb Farley Uh, which I won't be in favor for because of the the injury history kind of throws me off. But if that was the situation where they're going cornerback in round one, who were some receivers you would like at 37? I'm into like an Elijah Moore who I think can play Z receiver as well as in the slot. Depends on what they want to do with Jalen Rigger. I think those guys can be interchangeable in that way. So who are you looking at?
1: So this is something that I – you know, I I think – Eagles fans might disagree with me on this, but when looking at wide receivers in this class, the Eagles need somebody who can go, come in tomorrow and catch 60 passes, catch Agreed. 70 passes. Agreed. You know, they, you know whether we liked it or not, like the Jalen Rager pick was all about swinging for the fences. You know, you have this like extremely athletic guy out of TCU who was making all these plays down the field as a returner, and like on sweeps, like like a playmaker, a legit playmaker at TCU. And it ju- and it didn't pan out in his rookie year. It might pan out in his, his his second year, you know, God willing. But they need a guy who can come in tomorrow and immediately be a dependable target for whoever the quarterback is. That's why, you know, I, I was, you know, back when they were picking up at six, like I was kind of beating the drum for Devontae Smith because I don't think there's a question about his ability to to like immediately make a difference on an NFL team. And like I was like parsing hairs between all the top targets in the draft. So looking at what they could do at pick 37, like I think that still needs to be the consideration. So it's like a guy like Rondell Moore is a phenomenal athlete, and some people are now talking about him as an NFL running back, which is interesting. But it's like there's way too many questions with him for the Eagles to be like, that's the guy that we're going to bet this draft on. I would say it's the same thing with Kadarius Toney. Elijah Florida Moore.
0: guy, how he might be in on them because of the Florida connection, but I think that, he's that's even true. More, he's even more and, gadgety type in a, in a negative connotation than Reger was. Where I feel like that's not the yeah. type of consistent day one target that they need. Day one being day one of the season, not day one of the draft.
1: Yeah, I, and I agree with you. I, and I think Tony's going to be a really solid player, and he could actually be a really good player depending on you know. Uh, fixing the things that he needs to work on. But the things that he needs to work on are getting open consistently against, you know, top-level cornerbacks and catching the ball, which are things that the Eagles need, like, tomorrow.
0: Those are pretty important for wide receiver. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's like once you get the ball in that dude's hand, like, it's game over. But it's like getting the ball in his hand is, like, a task in itself. So, Elijah Moore, uh, like you had said, Elijah Moore is, like, a really enticing target because – he can line up in the slot. He can play on the outside. He's got great hands. He's tough. He's a great route runner. And he's a really good athlete. I mean, he ran he ran sub four four. So he's the kind of guy you who can start day one and be uh, you can run the offense through him. At least, I mean, at least in the sense that you have a guy who can catch, like, actually catch targets consistently. Tylen Wallace is another guy. I'm gonna keep saying his name all all off season until the Eagles inevitably pass on him and he goes for 800 yards in his rookie season. Wallace had like a down year this past year uh, at Oklahoma State, but he is, you know, six foot, 190 pounds really good athlete and he's good at playing above the rim he's got strong hands he makes tough catches contested catches um was playing with bad quarterbacks at at, at Oklahoma State and still produced uh produced at a, at a pretty decent level once again like i think he's like the type of like dependable target who can catch anything you throw his way that the eagles should be looking at i don't know if he's going to i like this Rashad Bateman probably has the largest range of where he could go because some people think he's the, you know, a top three wide receiver in the class. Some people don't think he's a top seven wide receiver in the class. So like he could go anywhere from the top 15 to the second round. He's kind of like T Higgins in that way uh, from last year. Um, where it's like, okay, this guy's definitely good at football, I just don't know how good the NFL thinks he is. So, like, if he's at 37, I would sprint to the podium, go and, go and draft him, because I I, I, mean, I compared him to Stevie Johnson, he's, you know, tough, great route runner, really good hands, just a really smart football player. And and I think that's, those are the kind of guys the team should be really looking at. Um, I know uh, Terrace Marshall is another, another player who people are a big fan of. I think that he had kind of like a one-dimensional role at LSU. I saw a lot of targets down the field, which is like not a bad thing. And that, that's the thing. Like I, I wrote about this, and, and I got a lot of heat for saying this, but like he was like a one-trick pony, but the one trick that he did was really important and really good, and he's really good at it. But in a class that's this stacked, you have to look at, how complete guys games are and those are like the little things that separate them from each other so you know marshall being like a late first round pick on the right team or uh you know a high second round pick doesn't mean that he's bad by any means it just means this wide receiver class for like the third year in a row or the second year in a row is really good and really loaded and the things that that separate these guys are just really minute details and preferences yeah so marshall i think is another worthwhile target at the top of the second round uh if he makes it that far
0: yeah, he seems the type of player that if he ends up in New Orleans or Kansas City at the end of the first round, he'll go in to have like a multiple Pro Bowl career. Or if he goes high second round to the Jets, he'll flounder and just be like, "Oh, that was actually one of the few LSU wide receivers who was a miss on draft." Right, day.
1: right. I mean, yeah, and and that's the thing with all of these guys is 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 um, where they end up is going to determine our perception of them, um, which sucks because it's like that 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 shouldn't be the way that it, that it works, but. I think that I think that Marshall is no doubt very talented, and but I do think that maybe he's getting a little bit like like late draft cycle um, hype uh, because like we just kind of like go through all the names, so we're not saying the same names every week uh, in draft articles. It's like, well, now this guy's the the top three wide receiver in the class. Now this guy's the top three wide receiver in the
0: class. Um, yeah. <laughs> So what do you think of this safety class? Because whether it's Jonathan Gannon's defense specifically or just looking at the trends across the league over the last handful of years, I've come to think that the safety position is the most integral part of a defense outside of pass rush, obviously, more so than cornerback. And in a situation where we're probably going to see a lot of zone coverage on the outside between the cornerbacks, not to say that they're Always going to be in zone in a high leverage situation, There is going to be man coverage in Jonathan Gannon's defense, but a safety who can do a little bit of everything really well feels like an integral part of a great defense to me. What do you think of this class? A uh, Trevin Morake from TCU. He seems like a guy I really like. Does a little bit of everything, as I said. To kind of you want you don't need a guy who does one thing exceptionally well at safety. I think you want a guy who's multifaceted, even if he doesn't have elite traits in one of those categories. Is he someone you would think could be in play at 12? Is he a trade down candidate? Do you even have him as a a first-round grade? Because it doesn't really seem like a situation where this is a strong class akin to the way that this isn't a huge edge rusher class.
1: The the safety class definitely it's definitely a weaker year for safety, but Travon Morig definitely stands out as being the best player. And like you said, he he's a very complete game. He's a guy who quarterbacked the defense and definitely quarterbacked the secondary uh while he was at TCU. Um he's it's interesting because he's built like a strong safety, but he plays free safety and he plays it well. He's rangy, he's smart, he's got good ball skills. And if the Eagles are going to be doing a lot of single high looks, that puts a lot of pressure, obviously, on your on your center fielder, because they need to kind of determine where the help needs to be, um, and they have to have the range to flip to either side of the field. Uh, and, you know, we don't know how how much trust, like, um, you know, Gannon might be putting in the various cornerbacks, especially with Darius Slay, um, maybe giving him less help over the top. but. You know, with the Anthony Harris signing, I kind of, like, backed off from the Eagles getting a a, a safety really high because I think Harris is a, a really solid player and and can play that center fielding position um, at least as a stopgap. Morig, I mean, if they traded back again and they got Morig maybe in the, in the 20s, I think that'd be a really good pick for them. Uh, if they were able to get him at the top of the second round, I think that'd be a really good pick for them. But besides that, I, I don't see a ton of guys in this class that like I'm I'm pounding the table for. Uh, Ardarius Washington actually is is another player that I, I think is really interesting. He's the other TCU safety who uh, actually like funny enough like really reminds me of Rodney McLeod. Like small, scrappy, really athletic, really rangy. But I think his size is probably going to push him into like late day two, maybe early day three. And then there's uh, oh man, I really don't want to botch his name, um, Hamza Naseldrine um if I wrong, yeah the Florida State safety um if I pronounce that wrong I apologize I you know <laughs> it's like you spend so much time writing about these guys and you never say their name out loud until you come on a podcast and you're like oh fuck I hope I get this right i um, so if you're watching and I got your name wrong I'm I really apologize but Gannon's defense you know if you're if you're going into if you're going into predominantly single high looks that strong safety is is going to be playing down in the box a lot and uh when they were in in uh in Indianapolis, you had Clayton Gathers fill that role uh, a lot as that kind of hybrid um, strong safety linebacker. And Nasaldrin is 6'3", 220 pounds. I mean, he's built like a, like a nickel linebacker, and, and like having him down in the box could give the Eagles a lot of defensive flexibility. Which is obviously, if you have him and you have like another good slot defender, as well as you know, who knows what they're going to be doing at the linebacker position this in this draft. Which I think they definitely will address but not in the first round having a guy like him would give them some really good flexibility and he, and he he i think is also a candidate to might just switch to linebacker full-time um but other than that like i don't i don't see a lot of guys in this in this uh safety class that i pound the table for andre cisco is another guy the syracuse safety um syracuse had like a lot of uh, strong really,
0: defensive back class for for yeah, syracuse yeah, i really like yeah. true williams too i think he could play yeah true williams
1: defense. yeah exactly and and um I think that Cisco is another, like, center fielding uh, option. I want to make sure I'm pronouncing this guy's name right. Hold on.
0: We know you're doing it out of the kindness of your heart. So you're you're acknowledging that it's a mistake and not being, like, Kendrick Perkins trying to pronounce Nick Vucevic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: I'm just looking it up. All right. Jamar Johnson from from Indiana is another guy I really like. Um, He's like, he is a, uh, he is kind of another, Uh, chess piece like a defensive chess piece he can play single high he can play down the slot he can play uh in the box like he's really um versatile physical smart um indiana secondary last year was sick like really really sick and i and i think jamar johnson was a big part of that um they have some good cornerbacks coming out next year to to keep an eye on so like there are some like mid-round guys that i think would be like really good role players for this defense but this class Besides maybe Morig, this class doesn't have like a guy in it, like a like a, like a safety that I think is like like a like a defense changing safety. So with with the defense, you know, with this defense specifically, it's kind of like it's kind of like a chicken or the egg situation with the defensive backs. It's like, are you gonna have two really good cornerbacks that make your safety's job really easy, or are you gonna have a really good safety um, that make your two cornerbacks jobs really easy, or your three cornerbacks jobs really easy? Uh, and I think for the Eagles this year, I think like going into this offseason, it's like we should make this cornerback group as good as possible. Um, and it makes the safeties jobs just like extremely easy. And I, and I think a good um, comparison just off the top of my head is like the Carolina defense from 2015. That group had three extremely athletic linebackers, a bunch of really physical, good cornerbacks, and then they had Kurt Coleman and Trey Boston playing safety. And I think Kurt Coleman had like might have he like he might have made a pro bowl, pro bowl that year or something insane like that. Um, because like they just didn't I mean their job was so easy. You take you, you take so yeah. much pressure off, off of them that they can kind of just fly around and do whatever. Um, and obviously like the Eagles don't have Luke Keekley. Uh, and the Eagles don't have a Shaq Thompson or Thomas Davis. Uh, and right now they might not even have a Josh Norman. But Given what this draft is is offering up to them and their current personnel, the direction that they should be looking to go is like upgrading their cornerbacks as much as possible and then kind of hope that safety turns out, um, at least in the short term, and then maybe look at it again in next
0: offseason. Would you double up on cornerbacks? I think that th- they need depth more so than just a day one starter, which would be great if you're drafting a guy in round one or even round two. You want that guy to be starting outside opposite. Darius Slay from the start, but it's a situation where, what, how does this coaching staff feel about Avante Maddox? We don't know that yet. Crave on LeBlanc didn't get re-signed. There, there are guys there. And yeah, it's if, a, if you're taking one, like you said, if you're you think twelve and thirty-seven are in some order, receiver and cornerback. So when are you going to double dip? If you want to double dip, is it a situation where you think a guy that you might have taken at thirty-seven falls to seventy? You just you know call that number in right away. Is it a situation where you wait for eighty-four?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the Eagles are going to do with all of their picks because they got eleven picks this year. Um, but they need to at least double dip at cornerback and double dip at wide receiver because both groups are so thin and so young that at the very least, like you just need you're throwing darts at the dartboard. I and and, yeah. and like like you you're just you're you're gonna keep and you know the Eagles drafted three receivers last year. They should draft at least two this year because, yeah. and it's the same thing with cornerbacks. I mean, the Eagles didn't draft any cornerbacks last year, and by the end of the season, you had Michael uh, Jaquette, who is a former wide receiver, converted to cornerback and an undrafted free agent, uh, playing at, at playing at cornerback, and and had him. They had him manned up on on DeAndre Hopkins. So it's like, like not that's ideal. where we not ideal. no, not ideal. And he he played admirably, but it's like you know that that's just that you're going to lose every time in that situation. But the the group is so young, you know, Avante Maddox and and Darius Slay are like your senior members of, of like the cornerback group, which is not ideal at all. Maddox had the worst year of his career last year. Slay is still a very good player, but the like teams were able to like pick on him last year because he had no help. And so it's like, I, I think like within the first three rounds, within the first four rounds, like if the team went, got two cornerbacks in the first four rounds, like, uh, who could blame them, right? So and, and I think it would be a smart thing to do to maybe draft a guy who can compete immediately as an outside cornerback and then draft a guy who can probably compete as a, as a slot cornerback.
0: Yeah, if it's a situation where you can get a, uh, a Fatima and Fanwu with the 70th pick or 37th or Asante Samuel or Elijah Molden there and then you have, you know, right away week one, you have Slay on the outside, you have a Fatima and Fanwu on the outside and then either, you know, say Samuel or, or Molden in, in the slot, that just within, you know, one day of it, two days of the draft, you just rebuilt the entire, you know, back core where it went from, you know, Slay was okay last year. I don't think he was the type of player that is maybe he got signed to be, was trained for to be a little bit older. And it just, you know, the cornerback that's very good, but not elite doesn't really transform a team that's just middling. So it's a situation right. then where, you know, this could go from one of the worst units in the elite to potentially a strength of the this specific defensive unit.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's something we have to come to terms with, especially with the defense, is they're going to have a lot of young guys out there next year, and it's going to look ugly for at least a couple weeks. And then we, you just have to kind of come to terms with that. And it's and it's not necessarily a bad thing, because I think another problem that the Eagles have had, especially under Peterson, is for no reason at all taking snaps away from young draft picks for, like, bad veterans. Uh, I mean, Who's that was your problem James last year.
0: Craig James plays.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you know, I mean, we had this whole conversation with like Travis Fulga and, you know, losing and snaps. Alshon's 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 and yeah. then and then it's like you know you had like John Hightower who like made a bunch of big plays early in the season and then just like disappeared in the second half of the season. You know, Rager not getting a ton of time. I mean, like let like throw rookies into the fire. You know, let them let them make mistakes and then like let them like build on those mistakes. I mean, that's very much the philosophy that I buy into. It's like doesn't matter if they're a cornerback, a quarterback, a wide receiver or an offensive tackle, like you got to let them play badly and like kind of like let them know that they can play badly because sometimes you got to touch the pan to know it's hot, you know? You got to you got to know what doesn't work for you in the NFL and what does work for you in order to kind of like carve out what your game is going to be. Obviously, there's plenty of rookies who come in day one and they're fantastic but you're not always going to get that and you just have to let guys develop and and guys aren't going to really develop on the bench. I mean, you have, you know, rare situations like with a Jordan Mayata where it's like, okay, well, that's special and he needs to like learn how to play football, but in the case of like rookie cornerbacks, it's like you kind of just got to throw them out there and and like there and hope that they develop because otherwise you're just like wasting draft picks and wasting money on veterans who are bad uh, at the same time. So I think it's going to be important for the Eagles to get young guys in the, in there and then I think it's going to be important for them to put them out on the field and let them compete with themselves and and with each other uh in order to like you know let the cream rise to the top so to
0: speak. To finish up, who are some guys you like late on day 3 guys you would consider sleepers that you like for the Eagles? So it doesn't it's not really about position there or just finding guys we are talented football players, but that's on the offensive line. There are a couple edge guys that are like in the sixth or seventh round or then the receivers that you're targeting there. Who's like your guy that if the Eagles are sitting there at three o'clock on day three of the draft on Saturday, you see the Eagles grabbing in round six, you're like, wow, that guy could actually be.
1: Yeah. So I, I do a mock sim every week. I'm sure that I do. Seven, I do seven per day. Yeah. And and, and um, uh, there's a couple constants in my mock sims. I love Cade Johnson out of South Dakota State. Small small school or FCS wide receiver. He's he was a deep threat when he was at South Dakota. Four four speed, great hands, great ball skills down the field. He seems like the kind of guy you can come into a team and like maybe start as just like a role player, play on special teams, and then could develop into like a solid like a solid like third option in an offense. Um, I really really like him. I feel kind of the same way about Jalen Darden. Like insane playmaker when he was at North Texas. Smaller, he's like five nine one like 180 soaking wet but fast as hell legit playmaker i don't know how the league is going to value you know him being a small schooler and him being a small player but he seems like the kind of guy who might be available in round six on the defensive side of the ball i really like teron jackson out of coastal carolina he's one of my guys
0: teron jackson and jamar watson are the two guys i want in in round seven
1: i remember because like one of the best uh college football games of the last uh you know during the 2020 season was um Coastal Carolina versus BYU Morgans versus Miles Yeah and the whole time I was watching that game I was like I was like, this Coastal Carolina defensive line is legit. I was like, these guys are tough. They play hard as hell. And they got a couple of good players on their on on that line. But Jackson is the draft is the draft prospect this year. I mean, he's 6'2, but he's like 265 pounds. So he's like rocked up. He's like a big, he's like a big 6'2. Uh, he plays like his hair's on fire, like nonstop motor, very physical, good pass rusher, good, good run defender. Yeah, not the type of guy that's going to test super well, not a great athlete, but I, I think a guy who could probably come onto an NFL team and just like get defensive snaps because of how high his motor is. You just throw him into the rotation. That's a guy I really like. Um, Tommy Kramer, uh, the guard from Notre Dame. I think that like it's always a safe bet to draft Notre Dame offensive linemen. They're always going to be well coached, they're always going to play hard. Uh, Kramer's got a lot of snaps playing. I think he played a. Uh, think both guard positions and might have gotten some time at right tackle. So you have that versatility factor going for him. Um, tons of experience, smart, physical, um, not, a, not a great athlete, but good size. So Someone who's probably going to fall in this class, even though the offensive line class is like only okay this year. But I, I think like getting him in the fifth round, getting him in in the sixth round would be like really nice. I mean, even though the offensive line should be really solid for the Eagles next year, I think it should be. I think it should be good. But they still need to get younger. I mean, you know, they have a lot of guys in that uh, on on the offensive line who are on the other side of thirty. So, uh, I, he's a guy that I really like. Um, I'm gonna throw out one more name. Running back is gonna. I, I think that like the Eagles need to consider drafting another running back this year. It's not a huge oh, yes. need. It's not a huge need because you know, ideally Miles Sanders is going to be the centerpiece of the offense in twenty twenty one. You know, Jordan Howard should probably have some sort of role. You know, Boston Scott is still like a really nice uh, changeup back. But you know, if anybody loses snaps in that group, I hope it's Jordan Howard. And and I think that you know, drafting a guy like Kylan Hill. His projection has been, like, all over the place. Like, I've seen people say he's, like, you know, RB4 in this class. I've seen people say he's RB10. Don't know what the read is. There's, like, some, like, stuff about, like, maturity issues – I don't think that's actually true. Um, there's a whole thing about how he like challenged the state of Mississippi to like change their flag, and like I think that there might be like some weird backlash stuff going on with the coaching staff at uh, Mississippi State. That's like my kind of like tinfoil hat theory um, on like why the NFL might be down on him. But he is athletic. He's like very shifty, and he is like very good pass catcher. Sirianni loved using multiple running backs while he was in Indianapolis and kind of putting them all over the formation. Uh, And I wrote a little bit about this. Like, you're going to see a lot of Miles Sanders, like, split out or, like, you know, just playing – like line up as a wide receiver all over the field um, and still having a guy in the backfield with Jalen Hurts. And like if you have Kylan Hill on the on, in the backfield with Jalen Hurts and then you got Miles Sanders out there playing receiver, it's like you can really kind of create some mismatches uh, against the defense. So I, I think Hill is another guy that I would be thrilled to have uh, in Philadelphia.
0: Well, you've heard it from Ben Natan. Kylan Hill is the next Marshall Falk. But anything else you need to plug, Ben? I'm sorry, I'm catching you as you're crushing some coffee. No, no, this great. is water.
1: Actually, I'm drinking it out of a out of uh, out of a very stylish beer mug, but it is water. I promise. I'm not like I'm not like day drinking yet.
0: Which was it's just fine. In the last week's pod, my one of my buddies was was so because I I said to you before we started last week we we did our little mock draft. If you watched on here, listen to the podcast. I was talking about it earlier. Uh, we messed up and weren't recording for the first 20 minutes. So my friend was like slugging, and then he had to like you know, kind of play catch up after was like a right back up for that. So it was fun. If you're crushing a beer, sometimes I'll have one or two while I'm doing this. Yeah. So no worries there.
1: No, I got, I got nothing else. Um, I mean, my work is going to, I'm going to start, uh, cause the draft is coming up. I just put out my wide receiver rankings on Friday. Um, which everybody agreed with and nobody got mad at me about. Um, Thank you. And I will have more rankings out this week. I'm trying to like release them in the order of like need for the Eagles. So uh, cornerbacks is going to come out tomorrow. Uh, Probably linebackers will come out on Tuesday. I'm going to try to keep a steady flow of it just so like all the rankings are out there. They're public before the draft. And then before we know it, it's going to be Thursday in late April, and we're all going to be totally happy with what the Eagles do.
0: Oh, no, without a doubt. But yeah, that's it for us. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe on the BGN Radio feed if you're on a platform. You could throw us a review, please do that so as well. And then also, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our channel. We're trying to you know boost that up and keep bringing you content, whether it's live the pods that I'm doing on here. Maybe we'll even incorporate some stuff as we get closer to to the draft and maybe have some live draft reactions to coming up in the, in the the week of the draft. So that's it for me. Thank you, Ben, for coming on. Go birds. Talk to you next week. B G N.